Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and thank you for tuning into this episode of the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. I'm very excited for today's episode. So today we have Kaylee Rodriguez joining us, a fellow Kaylee on the podcast. Um, Kaylee is a registered psychologist and founder of YYC Psychology. She holds certifications in clinical hypnotherapy and accelerated resolution therapy. And she is currently working on her certification in neurofeedback training. Wow, lots of different things on the go there. This is exciting. Um, So to get started, Kaylee, do you mind telling us maybe a little bit about your background and what brought you to this work that you're doing today? Sure, most definitely. Thanks for having me first and foremost. So it's, uh, it's great to be here. Um, what, what kind of got me into my, my own business on, I guess, being self-employed as a women entrepreneur was uh, when I became a mom. So I, I found myself, I was working, you know, about a salaried position for about eight years or so. And uh was on my maternity leave and um, just circumstances. I found myself let go of the job I was in and lots of panic and lots of fear, um, but found myself in a position of, I'm not sure what to do and uh, interviewed for some jobs, was offered a job, said no to a job, which was really counterintuitive. It just didn't feel right. And uh, found myself working for myself. And that's where my business YYC psychology began. Um, I've contracted to other offices as well along the way. So currently I, I work with a team called Health Upwardly Mobile as well. So I'm a contractor there and YYC Psychology is my private practice. And I absolutely love the blend of the both. And I've been doing this as far as, uh, you know, my entrepreneurial work for about eight years as well. Love it. Love it. Can you tell us a bit, I'm not familiar with the, okay, so the accelerated resolution therapy you do, can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, it's a great compliment to my, my practice. So what accelerated resolution therapy, it's also known as art therapy. So very different than classically what we think of art therapy being like kind of crafty type uh, art therapy. And it's not like that. It's an eye movement based therapy and it's um, not EMDR by any means. The, the similarity is only that they both use eye movement. So EMDR is a kind of a more known um, form of eye movement therapy. Art therapy is a very accelerated process, hence the name. So what it does is it works at remapping how memories are stored in the brain. So it's a fantastic tool for things like trauma, anxiety, depression, addiction, Um, It's extremely versatile, which I absolutely love, uh, hence why I took the training in it. So it really appealed to me as a great complement to my practice and clients will experience benefit just after the first session. So it's um, how the process works is people visualize in their mind, kind of like playing a movie through 
And that's how the process of remapping starts. So we work at processing out feelings and sensations, negative images, and uh, essentially the slogan behind uh, art therapy is you keep the knowledge, but you lose the pain. So the knowledge is stored in the memory, uh, the factual side of the brain, but the imagery that is associated to it is remapped. So it's no longer problematic. Oh, interesting. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. I absolutely love it. And it kind of goes into like, we want to chat about feelings and emotions and that's probably, yeah, like one of the obviously therapies that works for that. But can we talk a little bit then about feelings? And I mean, it sounds like that kind of leads into this, but like having unprocessed feelings show up for us um, and things like depression, anger, anxiety. Like, I think that's really relevant for everything that we're going through um, recently. Um, I think a lot of that's coming up for people. So maybe, you know, it's a good opportunity for us to talk about, about feelings and how these feelings are showing up for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, found, I have found that with everything that's going on around us with this pandemic, it's really placed a magnifying glass on people's vulnerabilities. So it's kind of brought forward or brought to the surface a lot of challenges that people have encountered and maybe haven't necessarily processed through. So it brings out those vulnerabilities where, as an example, we can't necessarily distract ourselves through activities or people, places, and things because we can no longer access them in the same way that we used to pre-pandemic. So I'm grateful I'm seeing an increase in people accessing mental health. um, And I'm grateful for that because a lot of the feedback I've had from clients has been kind of a similar comment of, I've wanted to access therapy for a long time, but this has really pushed me to that place of doing so. So Um, to that point, um, it's really, I think, brought up those vulnerabilities for people. Yes. Yeah. And thankfully that people are reaching out. So that's so important to remind people, if you are going through that, reach out. It doesn't, you know, it's good. It doesn't mean like you're, you're weak or you can't do it on your own or, um, you know, like we said, like we're in a time where we don't have the same connections or the same ability to distract ourselves. So we don't have those same tools maybe in place. And so that's why, you know, this is another tool, uh, maybe a new tool for you, or maybe one you've tapped into in the past and, and you need to do something like that again. So it's so important for people to remember that people like yourself, you know, exist and you're absolutely here to support, support people going through these tough times. Um, What do you mean by, so in kind of our emails back and forth, you said allowing our feelings to flow rather than holding them hostage, which I found to be an interesting line. And I like that. So I wanted to kind of see if you can delve deeper into what you mean by that. Mm -hmm. So typically what happens when we feel uncomfortable, what do we want to do? Get away from it, right? Make it stop. Uh, we, We feel scared. We move away from it. Um, but what happens and even to the point of distraction it doesn't address the actual feelings that are coming up and then they kind of get stuffed down, um, pushed aside, swept away. Um, So they're actually being held hostage in those types of situations. So we're carrying the emotional weight with us, but we haven't allowed it to flow through us, process, let it go. So although we kind of feel fine in the moment, so to speak, um, those feelings just get kind of swept aside or, or pushed down deep. Uh, eventually what happens is they start to build up 
and they will bubble up to the surface. So we get a little more reactive or agitated. We might feel more overwhelmed. Um, you mentioned anxiety, depression. So those are common sort of buildups, anger as well, where we can see things bubble up to the surface. And the analogy I like to use as well is like a volcano. So the pressure builds and eruption will occur eventually. Yeah. And sometimes the eruption is not, yeah, not the main cause of it or where it all started, but it's just all there. Um, yeah, exactly. just waiting to. So you said like what we need to do is, you know, like process, let it go. What does that look like for people then for getting through um, these emotions, like allowing or allowing them to flow? Like how can we actually ensure that's happening rather than pushing it down? Yeah, that's a great question. And it comes up, I would say almost daily, if not daily in, in my practice. And the big distinction is, you know, you want to invite curiosity in. So how am I feeling? So it's good to be able to put a label to your feelings. It's not necessarily um, so important to have like the right label, like this is the right feeling. Just drawing awareness in is so important. So how am I feeling? And then the second question that follows is, what is this feeling telling me? Not why do I feel this way? Often people will go to the why and what happens with the why, we get caught up in our analysis of it. And there's another expression called analysis paralysis. So if you think about the why, it's often like, yeah, I should feel that way. And we end up magnifying it or we should on ourselves the other way. You shouldn't feel that way. And we dismiss our feelings, discount them, again, shove them aside. So it minimizes it. When we get into the how am I feeling and what is this telling me, it allows you to sit with it, feel it, just check even into your body. What does it feel like? Uh, where in my body am I feeling this? And through that acknowledgement, it actually takes away some of the power of that feeling in, in and of itself. So that is part of the process of, of letting it go. Journaling is a great tool as well. Talking about it, all of these are great elements. And oftentimes when you think about it is people will go to the why question. Well, why do you feel that way? What happened? You know, those types of questions. And yeah, you should, or you shouldn't. And it becomes kind of dismissive in our feelings. Yes. Okay. I love that. So what is it telling me instead? Mm -hmm. So asking yourself, what is it telling me? Um, when you do that, so you're saying potentially be journaling about it, sitting with it, thinking about it when it's, what is it telling me? Where can we go from there? Yeah. So I've, I've, since I talk about this so much, I've had many clients say like, can you create something that will help me kind of flow in this process and look to that information? So I'm in the process right now, I'm creating an emotional kind of deck of cards type of concept. So on one side, um, the idea behind it is here's the definition of a feeling. And on the other side, uh, it will tell you a little bit about that. What is this telling me element? So as an example, with fear, if we're afraid of something, part of that process of challenging it is where's our faith at? So what is this telling me? Where's my faith? And faith, I don't mean in a like a religious institution element, but do I have some trust? Do I trust in myself? Can I trust in the process? Can I let go of outcomes? Those types of questions. So oftentimes when we're afraid of something, it's there's an acronym, false evidence appearing real. And if we minimize, dismiss, suppress our fear, what happens is, is it shows up like anxiety. 
So worries, anxieties, those types of things. So with fear, what we want to do is actually lean into it as opposed to try and sneak around it, avoid it, that sort of thing. There's one way through fear and literally that's through it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm listening to an audiobook and she's talks about that is like, it's going through it, which we don't really do because like on the other side is where the learning and, and the growth happens. So actually leaning into it, but you're right. It's right. very counterintuitive. We, we run the other way. Like we literally it's yeah. Like our, our bodies are just, you know, set up that way or it's our, in our, you know, genetics or, um, archaic mind of like, okay, we got to run. Like when there's something that there's danger or there's fear, we run. Um, but actually leaning in and asking the, what is it telling me? I love that. I love it. Um, what about you said, um, or I guess what about then? So if we're leaning in, I mean, you know, it's easy to lean into the positive emotions. So what about like, does this still have a role or it plays a role in, I guess, that avoidance? Because I think when it comes to like what we would describe as negative feelings, um, we don't really want to lean in or we don't want them in our lives. We don't want them occupying space or time or anything like it's, you know, when we're feeling crappy or we're feeling anxious, um, we don't necessarily want to sit in that but is that I mean I guess maybe you can comment on that about the bad feelings too because the good ones it's like that's that's fine I'll sit in those ones all day but the the bad ones that we label bad yeah and that's just it is our our labels of how we view feelings Um, and fundamentally feelings aren't good or bad they aren't right or wrong they just are information so you know if something you know feels good it doesn't always mean it's a good thing just as if something feels bad it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing there's a lot of growth opportunity within that so if we can step away from some of those good or bad elements it can be very helpful so the other thing even to that comment about well when it feels you know the good positive ones that can really lean into that it's the same principle though if i'm feeling happy okay what's this telling me it's telling me i'm feeling perhaps present or i'm connected um so do i keep Um, whatever I'm doing in this moment, do I keep giving myself that opportunity? So it's drawing in attention. We have gratitude within there as well. So there's value exploring the the ones that we quote unquote view as positive, as well as the other side. And to that point too, the other comment I would really make when we get into that dichotomy of, of good and bad is we don't get to selectively choose which ones we can numb or distract ourselves from. So what will happen is, is we become disconnected emotionally from all of our feelings. So it would be kind of nice in some ways to say, yeah, let's avoid this one and that one and this one and that one. But at the end of the day, we, we do become disconnected from all. So those things that we even, you know, those moments of gratitude and peace and serenity and those positive feelings, they no longer hold the same merit as they would when we are actually connected, grounded, uh, within ourselves. Wow. I love that then. So it's such a good reminder that we have to explore and we have to lean into the, the ones that maybe are uncomfortable or yeah, not the ones that 
maybe that we've thought that we're supposed to spend time exploring that, you know, we do have this belief, I think that we run away from those feelings when someone asks us how we're doing, you know, we don't think, oh, should I just like <laughs> verbal diarrhea and be like, oh, horrible. And this is happening and that and that, like we, we think that it's supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be in the positive and, and people would rather hear that than the negative, but knowing that both sides, like just leaning into all, not giving them necessarily that good and bad, but all um, have value and importance for our, for our overall well-being. I love that. Love it. Um, I actually wanted to comment on something you said too, is that, you know, facade of just think positive and just be positive. Yes. And that is such a misconception that again, it's, it's, we have like that toxic positivity is one of the, the trend kind of words that floats around. But the way that I really describe it is if you have a wound, you know, say on my hand, I have a wound here. I don't want to just put a bandaid over top of it. Just think positive. I actually want to look at that wound and address it and heal it and, you know, put ointment or whatever it needs. Because if I have an infection and I just put a bandaid over it, it doesn't do anything. It gets worse and worse. So to that point of just think positive, it's so important to go underneath and address that feeling, that wound that's there. And then once we acknowledge that feeling, that's like treating the wound, process that feeling, then we can start to invite some of that re reframing in. So some of that positive or challenger are thinking uh, that reframing element. But if we go to it right from the get-go without really addressing our feeling, it is like putting a Band-Aid over an open wound and it doesn't get the proper care that it actually needs. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so yeah, just really exploring it, understanding it first, and then that part comes later. Because yeah, if you try to do that too early, it's especially if you're trying to like help someone out in your life too, that's going through a hard time. And you're just sort of in that mode of suggesting the positives and it just, it doesn't work. Like it's, right, you know, exactly. they're not very receptive of it either. So that's good information. I love that. Um, you also wrote like when we were kind of emailing back and forth, the idea of accepting powerlessness I think that's like an interesting concept to think about because another element I think of humans and, you know, what we like to do is we like to have, you know, certainty. We want to have control. We want to have, you know, or we want to think we have control. And I think that that sort of probably plays to that of that we don't <laughs> um, and probably accepting where we don't, but maybe you can elaborate more on that. Right. I know when I first kind of encountered the word powerless years ago, I was like, that's really uncomfortable. I don't like that word. I want to be empowered or uh, in control, as you said. So the control word does pop up. But powerless does not imply helpless. There's a big distinction between the two. So if we can accept what we're powerless over, and commonly that would be like people, places and things, I'm powerless. I have no control over what other people will do. I have no, you know, control over what's happening around us, um, all those types of things. But I do have a choice. So this kind of segues into even the idea around boundaries. So I used to think the idea of a boundary was like, you can't talk to me like that, as an example. So if you're yelling at me and I tell you, you can't talk to me like that. I'm actually powerless over you. I have no control, but it doesn't mean that I'm helpless. 
So I can reframe that in the sense that I'm not comfortable with you yelling at me. If it continues, I'm going to leave my office uh, right now. So I have a choice in there. I am empowered by accepting that I'm powerless over you. I'm fully prepared and equipped in doing what I need to do for myself. So what we actually want to do is draw attention to the things that we have choice over. So again, powerless and helpless are very, very different. Um, I'm sure a lot of parents can relate to this right now, just with online school, as we were briefly chatting about before we, we started recording. And um, I've had this conversation with my daughter specifically. So, you know, online school, yes, fair enough, it's not ideal. She misses, you know, the in-classroom setting things like that. So I was telling her, you're powerless over it. You don't have a choice in that, but it doesn't mean you're helpless. You do have choice. Where in the house would you like to set your computer up? What pencils do you want to use? What choices do you actually have? And that's far different than trying to control a situation or the outcome. That's where I actually put my power into you. So as an example, you can't talk to me like that. I have no power over that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. I like that. So it's just looking at where is the choice and the choice we have, because it can feel really, um, yeah, scary or something when we feel like, well, I have no control over this. Cause I think that's, you know, of anything that's come out with COVID it's just this reminder of, you know, we, we are very powerless and yeah, that doesn't have to mean though helpless and things like that because yeah, we're, we've been put up to you know a big challenge right now and we're, this is not what we're used to and it's affecting everyone's lives in different ways. And so just looking at what is the choice here rather than, because I think you can, you know, it, it leads to the, I don't know, feelings of, you know, frustration or, or that's this almost like trying to figure out, well, what can I do? How can I fix this? How can I change this? And again, we have to go back to, we can't, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And really at the end of the day, what we have is our responsibility for ourselves. So can we kind of do the right thing for ourselves, that sort of thing. So, you know, we can't control what's happening around us, but we, we have choice in our response to it. So, you know, to that, that element, when we get caught up in this is all happening to me, it really puts us in almost like a victimized uh, role. Whereas if we can look at it that maybe this is happening for me or even this idea that, again, I can't control what's coming at me, but I do have a choice in how I respond to that. So oftentimes we get caught up in, and like you said, the outcome as well. So it's trying to create control over a certain you know, outcome or I want it to go a certain way. So we become very controlling, very stuck in the process um, where we're not actually open and, and receiving in that. So um, we dictate the process rather than actually seeing all the options around us. We get kind of really narrow tunnel visioned in that, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So it's then in those moments, it's that we need to look for the choice is it sounds like what you're saying, or is there any other right. suggestions that we can kind of do in those moments that we're having that those feelings? Yeah, again, acknowledge those feelings. So what's coming up? So if I get caught up in frustration, um, frustration, a key for that is I'm having an expectation, meaning I'm trying to control or dictate how something should go. Um, and again, I'm powerless. I have no control over that. So I acknowledge that 
And then from there, it's like, again, what choices do I have in here? How do I, you know, what can I respond um, to? Or, you know, starting to explore those, those pieces. Because the other element is we do fuel what we focus on. So if we focus on all of those things that we can't do, or this is wrong, or that's wrong, again, we end up losing sight of all of those things that are for us or helpful or whatever it might be. So we feel what we focus on. And if we want to just focus on what we view as perhaps negative, it doesn't really serve us well. It keeps us stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. What about, it's kind of like bringing up for me though, to kind of that powerlessness or not having control over, um, just kind of to do with like our personal relationships now. Like I think everything that's gone on, you know, we see kind of maybe other sides of people or I don't know how to describe it, but everyone is kind of on edge and it's, you know, there's very much extremes happening in, in people's behaviors. And so it's in our personal relationships, like if we're struggling with family members or friends or colleagues because of, you know, for whatever is coming up right now, um, maybe they're just dealing with, you know, they're frustrated and they're taking it out on the wrong person or things like that. What would you suggest when it's coming up in like, um, in our relationships, some of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, two things is uh, feelings and boundaries. So if you're finding that there's a lot of, you know, sort of agitation, irritation, reactivity, um, you can always ask the question, how are you feeling right now versus getting caught up in the, the nitty gritty details of what's going on back and forth? Because it's not about the dishes in the sink or it's not really about whatever that little you know annoyance or trigger is. There's so much more behind it. So just to try and step back and remove yourself from maybe the hot potato type of argument that gets kind of tossed back and forth to take it to a feelings-based level like how are you actually feeling how are you doing right now and it can create a different dialogue if the other person is open and receptive um it's not about to your point at the beginning you talked about kind of controlling or you know trying to just think positive or suggest some of those elements to someone it's trying to listen to understand their feelings that doesn't mean that you have to agree with their feelings but just listen to understand and paraphrase that. Empathy and paraphrasing. So what I'm hearing is, this has been really hard for you. Um, And that keeps the dialogue going and it takes it kind of from, you know, all of those little little projections almost like the dishes or whatever it might be to actually address again, the wound that's underneath. So what happens is, is those are little like kind of anger tidbits that get thrown around and they're all a deflection. Uh, then what's the real issue in there. So trying to come back to a feelings conversation. The other person might not have capacity though, if they're not open to talking about feelings, they might not know. Um, And again, that's just information. So if you're caught up in a lot of that projection and they don't have capacity, then you may need to step back and have some boundaries in that relationship if it becomes really draining and pulling you down as well so for your own mental health and well-being you might need to explore your own boundaries as well okay yeah that's good advice I like that good suggestions for people to try out um what about I noticed on your um Instagram you post a lot of great information on there and so definitely people check that out because it's lots of great resources and and things that you provide on there but 
Um, you've been talking about resiliency. Like I noticed a post on resiliency. Can we chat a little bit about resiliency and, and, and that, and I guess how that plays into the, the feelings conversation as well. Yeah. So it actually was uh, the video I posted up on resiliency was a really cool discussion I had with my, my daughter, my oldest, uh, who's in grade three. And you mentioned your daughter in grade one, and she may be learning about some of the animal elements at this stage and age as well. So they've learned a lot about how animals adapt. So adaptation, migration, hibernation, those were kind of the key elements with that. So we talked about the theme of resilience and I asked her, do you know what that means? And she said, no, I've never heard that. So I asked her like, how do, how do animals adapt? Like, what are some of the things that they do? So she talked about they get thicker fur coats in the winter or they camouflage, they hibernate, et cetera. And all of those adaptations are forms of resiliency. So it was a cool conversation then to pivot of, well, how are you resilient? What do you do to adapt? So she was kind of exploring some of the ways that she, she tries to adapt to what's been happening around her. And what I really uh, appreciated in our conversation is the simplicity of it all. So she said, I feel disappointed, but what can I do? So I'm acknowledging my feeling. I recognize I'm powerless. So I'm gonna look at what I have choice over. And that's what she was describing. So with online school, this is what I can do. So it was just a very simple kind of step-by-step -step process of what she was doing in that. But I really valued that from a resiliency perspective, it doesn't mean that things don't bother you or that you don't have, again, those negative feelings. It just means that you acknowledge them, you give them space, you hold space for them, and then you let them go. So she's able to, in that instance, connect to that and move through that rather than stay caught up in, and then this went wrong and this went wrong and this went wrong, which is where a lot of us can get stuck in. And don't get me wrong, we all have those moments, but it's kind of like, there comes a point where like, okay, I got it all out. Now, what can I do? I've acknowledged it. Now, can I move forward from it versus staying stuck in it? Yeah, I love it. And using, yeah, your daughter as an example, or just how much we can learn from our children too, or have these conversations with them and how much they can learn about these topics as well. So it's, it's never, you know, too early to start having these conversations too with our children. Cause just imagine then, you know, her being able to process feelings like this and have these, this resilience and this boundaries. And as she's getting older, just to continue to use those tools, um, versus, right when we have to try to learn them when we're all grown up and it's just a little bit harder. It's just a little bit more of an adjustment when we have to learn them later on. Yeah, most definitely. And I find that the, the principles behind it, they're exactly the same, but adult minds complicated. So yeah. it's just going back to the basics and simplifying. And, and that's really all that it is. And that's where I really, really appreciate having conversations with kids. Yes. Is their, their perspective is so um simplified in that and I don't mean that as any sort of criticism by any means but it's just so on point and such good reminders and it's it's really beautiful to hear what they say I love it good ideas too for if we have young ones to have these conversations with them I love it um so yeah just in in sake of time for sake of time um is there anything that we you know you want to leave listeners with as far as um maybe something we didn't touch on that you want to leave as kind of um tips or strategies or ideas or things to think about or anything like that mm -hmm. 
Well, to, to the comment I made, the suggestion around journaling, journaling is a very, very helpful therapeutic tool. Um, and a lot of times people say, I don't know how to journal or what to journal about. So it's just, again, if, if you want to take a look at how am I feeling, what is this telling me? They're great questions to explore. Um, people might know the why they're feeling a certain way and that knowledge isn't necessary because your feelings are valid. So it's so important just to acknowledge what's underneath that. Um, you can go online, Google feelings lists, and there's, there will be a lot of visuals behind that because our, our vocabulary is often limited to like happy, sad, mad, scared. So if we can start to explore some of those feelings and just scan through the list and maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And the other comment I'd say is you can feel a whole bunch of feelings at the same time at opposing ends of the spectrum. So um, that can be confusing. So just journaling is helpful. Talking is another element. So it's just getting things out, externalizing it rather than keeping it all up here. Um, it's like the hamster on the wheel. It will go faster and faster. So we want to get that stuff out. Um, and there's, to your point, there's, it's, it's not a sign of weakness by any means for anybody to reach out. I like in mental health care, I say to my clients, like, come in when it's not a crisis. You don't just need to go to the dentist for root canals, go for your you know, regular cleans and checkups and stuff like that. And mental health is no different. So there is no shame in talking to somebody and having you know, a neutral perspective um, or just some new learning and information. So journaling is helpful, talking is helpful. Um, you mentioned my Instagram. I do post lots of different topics as well. So I'm open to people sending me messages if they'd like to learn about something specific. And I do post up some information that way. Um, and that's at YYC Psychology. Um, but yeah, I think those are great, great tools of just journaling and talking. I won't complicate it. Yeah. I love that. For the longest time, I was like, I don't know, something about the journaling seemed like strange to me like I, I likened it to like when you're a kid and you have a diary and and you have right. to hide it and your mom might find it and all that stuff and I'm like that seems weird but yeah. I did start journaling because I am I am more introverted and I find that I take a while to process and I can't verbalize what I'm thinking and feeling sometimes so talking is great like you said but for me it's sometimes it's not coming out in the in verbal like it's just not coming out for me so when I, I journal it just happens to come out on the page um, and it's a lot easier so finding what works for you for everyone um, it might be journaling it might be talking but whatever it is yeah getting that out and processing mm -hmm. and just appreciate too with everything around us there's a lot of energy um, that, you know, does, does build up and stick to us. So I find for myself by the end of the week, sometimes I feel a little bit anxious and then my brain will go, well, why? And then I turn on the news. Well, maybe it's the news. And then I go looking for the why and all it does is magnify and amplify those feelings rather than just pause. I'm just feeling a little bit anxious and it can be no more than the fact that I just have a buildup throughout the week. There doesn't have to be the why. So we don't need to go create a story for it. So holding space for that feeling is so essential. And that's where journaling um, and even just sitting, literally sitting in a chair and ground into body and where my body and my feeling is and what sensations does this bring can be so helpful in that release process as well. 
Yeah. It's just that pause. And I mean, some call it meditation and, you know, maybe if meditation hasn't worked for you or if it's struggle, it is, it literally is just pausing, like staying mm-hmm. still, look out the window, just like very simple things that we just oftentimes don't find time for in our day, or we just don't do. Right. Just be with yourself. Yeah. 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 I love that. So you, I'll, I'll include in the show notes, um, links to your Instagram and all that. So people can reach out if they want to chat further. Thank you so much, Kaylee, for your time. Um, this was amazing. Great, um, ideas for people to, you know, consider and start implementing right now, if they're feeling these, if this is going on for them, or if they're, um, having any of the kind of struggles that we brought up or anything like that, or just even proactively making sure that we're starting to implement this in our lives. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we will catch you next time. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time.